Okay, hello and welcome to the Two Ears, One Mouth music review show. It's a music review show, as the name would suggest, with myself, Simon Vincent, and my good buddy, Adam Juba. Adam, tell us uh, how you're doing today. I'm doing good, mate. I'm doing good. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. Thanks, mate. I'm all right. So uh, today, in the pilot uh, of this show, we're going to review some singles from Paolo Nettini. Uh, we're going to review um, the PBR&B musician uh, How to Dress Well, um, as well as taking a look at some of the tracks that we've been listening to this week and think are really awesome. Um, and that's going to include the diverse sounds of Baby Metal and Go West. Um, but first of all, I guess, Adam, tell us a bit about what's been in the news this week. The Glastonbury lineup. Absolutely, yeah. No, that's um, it's just been released. It was released like two days ago, and uh, some interesting acts on it. What what kind of catches your eyes? Robert Plant, classic festival act. You've got MIA up there. Dolly Parton, token act that everyone wants to go and check out. I mean, I'm not wild on it. There's some classic festival acts, and there you've got you've got Mogwai, De La Soul. They're always going to bring it. <sighs> Chromio. Chance the Rapper, Paolo Nutini, classic festival act, but there's not much there I'm wild on. I mean, Brian Ferry, the 1975 Bonobo, but I don't think it's the best. I really don't. Yeah, I, I, I remember going to some that had a bit more about them. Yeah, I, I sort of thought the same thing myself, actually. There's, there's a lot of bands there that I really like on record, Bonobo and, and Nit and Sawney and, you know, um, John Grant. Some really good acts there, Massive Attack as well. But um, in terms of stuff that you really want to go and see live, uh, you know, in a field, you know, on a really hot summer's day and get drunk to listening to, I, 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 don't, I think maybe Skrillex, I think he'd be interesting to see live. Um, and, of course, we're going to go see Chromio soon. Just seen uh, Phoenix, and we can both vouch for them being good bands. But uh, I, I kind of felt the same way. I think for me, I mean, I've been to Glastonbury seven times, and you look for Chemical Brothers, Basement Jacks, Groove Armada, Oasis, all these iconic bands which just send people crazy. And there are some amazing, I've seen Paolo Nutini at Glastonbury before, and he just mid afternoon, early evening tears the house down, MIA will just absolutely smash it, but I just don't really think there's that much there that's too exciting. I mean, I've never been a fan of Kasabian anyway, so that's not something that I'm going to be completely wild about, but I just think the headline acts are a bit of a disappointment. I mean, the rest of the lineups, you know, it's not looking too bad, but I'm just not as excited about it as I have been in years where I've gone, basically. Yeah, and it's an interesting decision not to release one of the one of the headliners as well. They've got Kasabian on one day, and then I think is it Arcade Fire on 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 day three. But the um, the Saturday headliner they've they've not announced yet. Prince. <laughs> See, now it's funny that you thought that. That was my first thought as well, um, and I don't know whether it's because. Uh, of your recent uh, excursions with Prince, tell, tell for people who don't know, tell us what, what you recently did with Prince. I queued for six hours to see Prince, got a text message at midday, was in Shepherd's Bush at two o'clock, waited in line till half seven in the evening, he was on stage at eight o'clock, three hours of Prince later and best gig I've ever been to. Best gig, ten feet away from the smallest most talented guitar player I've ever seen, wearing platform shoes which flashed red and white in between each song, soloing like no one I've ever believed. Oh, yeah, best gig I've ever been to. 
incredible, incredible. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I I, I missed out on that one mainly because I don't live in London, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I you know, it, it's in, it's interesting because it actually leads us onto the other topic that we were going to chat about in in the news section, which is this whole thing of you know um, building up expectation about records and making you know making them stand out from the crowd. It's not. It doesn't seem like it's enough anymore to just release a record and let people buy it. Now you've kind of got or or, or perform a gig, you know, announce a gig and then sell tickets and then. Form, it feels like nowadays you've got to kind of keep it a secret, you know, like Prince did a little bit with his gigs, or like like uh, you know Glastonbury are doing with this um, with this uh, headliner, um, or like with some of the stuff that, that that some of these other guys are doing. Um, you know, we one of the other bits of news I picked out this week, um, and I'll share the screen with you is the um, the Jack White gig uh, or the Jack White record that he's going to do, trying to um, record the fastest released record. So I think. Basically, it doesn't actually say what the record is. I'm not sure anybody knows what the record is for how fast a, re a track's been recorded, pressed, and, and sold. But um, I guess he's just trying to set it, um, and he, he thinks it can be done in sort of a couple of hours. Um, uh, and, and, then, and then, like I say, John Frusciante as well um, also uh, released some news this week. Um, you're going to have to tell me about this, because I don't really understand what this <clears throat> means. Go, go through it with me. So he's got a new solo album that he's bringing out, what he's decided to do is he's actually launched the album into space. <laughs> the album is in space at the moment, okay? Now, it's on a satellite which is playing the album. You download an app onto your smartphone, and then as the satellite goes over your location, you unlock the album and you can listen to it. And then that album comes out for general release on the 8th of April. But until then, we've had a week where it's just been orbiting around the world. And as it goes over your location, the app becomes unlocked. And then you can listen to the album up to, you know, a week, six, five, four, three, two, one days before everyone else. It does that full rotation, and then we're on full release. And, and yet it's an interesting one. So, you know, there's a part of me, the purest in me, kind of sits there thinking, well, you know, just, you know, if an album's good enough, just release an album and let people buy it, and, and the music will speak for itself. But... You know, then I, I was thinking about this in the week, and I'm thinking to myself, well, it, it goes back as far as, you know, Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin were, you know, one of the bands who, you know, at the time when everybody released singles, they, you know, they did this thing where they said, right, you know, you're not allowed a whole lot of love unless you buy the album. So, you know, for me, that was kind of the very first example of, you know, marketing a record, um, you know, based on, you know, selling a record based on the marketing rather than necessarily focusing on just kind of doing the music. And I think that's... Uh, you know, you've seen it recently with Radiohead when they did the whole "Pay What You Want" for for, for in Rainbows, I think it was, and um, it's just interesting. I mean, I, I'm not necessarily against it. I just kind of think it's it, it's unusual that bands are kind of taking to marketing strategies nowadays for for records as opposed to just letting them them speak for themselves. I think it's interesting. CDs are dead. Vinyl's cool, but it's quite expensive. I think what we're getting to is now a point where you've really got to you've got to make your music stand out from something else. You look at Wu-Tang as well this week. Wu-Tang Clan, they've just done their new album. They're only going to do one pressing of that record. So Riz has announced this week that they're going to do one pressing of the record and they're going to sell that one copy to the highest bidder. There will be no release. <laughs> they may gig it, but there will be no release. And he's claiming to already have a multi-million pound offer for what will be a single pressing in a, something like a silver case completely custom made, one person will get it, and he's trying to bring back 
music as an art form, I you invest this money in a self-custom crafted piece of art. That's what he's trying to do. I can't help but feel it's a bit of a money-making ploy as well. But it's trying to trying to I think really just make music more of an art form. You know, move away from pop and make it interesting again. Yeah, I, I, you know, hey, I, I, it's got us talking about it, hasn't it? So I guess uh, anything that gets uh, people talking about records, particularly at a time when, you know, like you say, CDs aren't selling very well and everything else, I think, um, you know, I think that's all good for it. So, you know, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm all up for that. I think, um, I think it would be interesting to see how they go down, and um, you know, I look forward to kind of hearing them. Should we, uh, should we move on to the the actual singles review part of the show? This is the bit we call the surfacing section. That was a bit camp. Uh, Adam, uh, I think we'll start with your choice, if that's all right. Um, so uh, while I line it up, why don't you just tell us uh, who it is and what the name of the track is? So we've got the new Paolo Nutini track from his new album, Caustic Love, Scream and Funk My Life Up. I think it's amazing. I think it's an absolutely fantastic summer tune. Love the female backing singers. Love the horn section. Love the kind of almost kind of blues rotation that he gets on it. I just think it's a great song. Really great song. Really great summer track. Great driving tune. Great walking to work tune. Yeah, I think it's just really fun. And I never had She's my rock, she's my butt, she's the key that she's the trip. And the girl, so fine, makes you wanna scream hallelujah. Cool. So, Paolo Nettini, Scream, Funk My Life Up. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a good track. Uh, I think uh, I think it's got a lot of blues, it's got a lot of soul, um, you know, which really, you know, I think that suits his voice perfectly because he's got that raspiness to his voice. And um, So, yeah, I think it's really good. Uh, you know, I really liked his last record, Sunny Side Up. I thought that was, you know, I thought that showed a lot of diversity and a lot of soul and blues in it. Um, which I think sometimes people aren't necessarily expecting from Paolo Nettini because because of kind of Lash Request and his history, you know, kind of, you know, I guess coming up through the kind of the Radio 2 rank uh, thing. But, um, you know, yeah, I, I think this is kind of, you know, this, this can kind of continues down that road of doing the funk and soul stuff. The, the, the one thing I would pick out that I, I wasn't, <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a kind of a musical raw nerve for me, uh, is, is the use of the word funk as a kind of replacement word for, Another very similar four-letter word uh, often used as a, uh, a sexually aggressive term. Um, I just kind of, you know, like when, you know, back in the day when P-Funk were doing it and, you know, um, and, and doing that sort of stuff, I thought it kind of was funny and had a bit of charm, but um, I, I just would have preferred to, I, I just don't really like it uh, used so much nowadays. I think it's getting a bit, a bit old and a bit corny. I could see that. I could see that. I think it's just an amazing precursor of what's to come, though, as well. And he's done another either Abbey Road or Made of Ale session. There's a live track there called Iron Sky, which just takes that to the next level. And I think what you can see from him is he's just going to get more soulful, more meaningful in the way he performs. You can just tell that he just absolutely means every note that he plays, every single song that he sings. And, yeah, you've got that kind of Jenny, don't be hasty, last request era where he's kind of really breaking out. But you can just tell over these last two records he's been doing what he wants to do. And I think that soul vibe, that whole blues thing that he's gone down 
like you said, suits him down to the ground. His band are phenomenal, and having seen him at Glastonbury once before, he is just one of the best festival performers I think you're going to get. He just gets everyone behind him. I think it's going to be a great record. Cool. Well, I'm sure everybody who's going to Glastonbury is going to, uh, going to look forward to seeing him. Um, let's move on to my choice again. I wanted our love just to never subside. I never want to miss a moment of life. That chunk deck is all stung to the night. And now I know. I was going to pick this. <laughs> I was definitely going to pick this. I listened to it last night on the train on the way back up to Nottingham, and I think it's amazing. I think it's a really good track. It's got this weird twist on this kind of 90s two-step meets love song meets folk. I think it's an absolute banger. I only went with Paolo Nutini just because I wanted to look at something a bit poppier, but I think this is a tune. I love it. That's cool. I, I, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. I, you know what, I don't know whether you get this, but um, I feel like there's a little bit of a guitar in the background to it. Um, it's just kind of like almost just playing that kind of one note and, you know, over and over, but it's got like a lot of uh, Phoenix kind of a vibe to me. Did, did you kind of pick that out? Too young. Phoenix, yeah. too young. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just, um, so yeah, I... I I don't know whether um, I don't think we've ever discussed how to dress well, but you know I really liked uh, you know his last record. I think it's Total Losses. It is it called? And um, I really liked it. I just kind of felt like at times it was a little bit a little bit dark and a little bit unrelentingly dark. And this just kind of feels like it's got um, a much brighter side to it, and, and you know it's kind of got a, a bit more of a summery feel. You know? Yeah, he's released at the right time. I don't really know. I've never really listened to him, but this just kind of popped up yesterday when it just kind of seeped its way onto Pitchfork and Drowning Sound and SoundCloud and all that. And, yeah, tune, tune. Great, great, just party tune, love song, everything. Everything is amazing. Cool. So that uh, brings uh, an end to the surfacing section of the show. What we're going to do now, let's move on to our spotlight section. Uh, so the spotlight section is, um, why do we do this? So uh, obviously uh, I think uh, in the podcast that we're doing, in the show that we're doing, we really wanted to do some tracks that, um, that were new and that were fresh for people. Um, but I think, uh, you know, like sometimes you listen to a new track and it's not, it's not a new track but it's just new to you and you just think it's really cool. It might be like a, a niche genre or a really old track that you haven't heard before or whatever. So we thought we'd pick out a couple of tracks. Um, Adam, again, let's start with your track. Um, again, just give us a quick intro to what it is and who it's by, uh, then we'll play it and then we'll, we'll hear what you thought of it. So this is Go West, King of Wishful Thinking. This is my getting really fed up with listening to big beat pop tunes for the last sort of 18 months and just harking back to the days when it was actually all right to write a pop tune. So yeah, this this is my uh, looking back over the last few years to try and find good pop music. And I deny the tears in my eyes. I don't wanna let you see. No, 
go west, the king of wishful thinking. Um, I, I, I wanted to ask you this one. It, it, is this a new track to you, or is this a track that you'd heard before and, and just kind of got back into this week? I heard it about a year, well, no, I heard it years ago. Years, years, years ago. But then heard it again about 18 months ago and got their, uh, I think, a greatest hits record. And I've just kind of periodically been listening through to it. But yeah, it's, it's, I think it's just a reminder of you've got the kind of same lyrical content as you do now in pop music nowadays, but it's just, it seems a bit more heartfelt. It seems a bit more fun. It seems, I don't care that it's cheesy. It, it, it seems to mean a little bit more. I'm getting more from it than just the same kind of four to the floor, distorted, auto-tuned vocal that we're getting so much at the moment. And yeah, it's me harking back to just try and find something poppy that actually, you know, is a song. Yeah, and actually it's an interesting one because uh, obviously when you sent it through, and I was kind of looking at it, I'm thinking, why has he chosen this? But but actually listening to the track, I, I absolutely agree with what you're saying. And, and, and it's an interesting one because, you know, with like uh, Dev Hines, you know, the Blood Orange stuff that he's doing and, and a lot of what Solange is doing at the moment, there, there, there does feel like there's a, a big kind of 80s vibe and 90s vibe kind of coming back at the moment. And um, and you, know, you hear a lot of people talking about it and saying, you know, how great, you know, these 80s and 90s vibes are. But but actually when you listen back to a track, um, I don't actually know when that track was released, but when you listen to that track, you kind of listen to it and go, actually, you know, it, it does really still stand the test of time and, and, and it is still really fresh, I think. I think it's amazing. I think the Drive soundtrack... The film soundtrack went a long, long way to kind of bringing some of those sounds back into play. But yeah, you do have like Dev Hines, you've got Solange doing some really interesting stuff. I think you've just got a general appreciation for older music coming back as well. I think you find a lot of music lovers more and more are looking a bit more back in their collection the things that they're finding interesting just because I think the the amount of new music that's been coming out that has really moved people or excited people has dipped off a bit. That's not to say there aren't good records coming out. There's loads of them. But I, I really do think that, you know, w with that kind of rebirth of vinyl as well, people are just looking a little bit further back, whether it's for a tune, a sample, anything. So I think that kind of all ties in pretty well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so no, I think uh, yeah, really kind of. I think it's really good, really good choice, really interesting one. Um, so I guess we'll we'll move to the final song of the four that, that we've selected this week. Uh, and I I think uh, whereas that song was looking back, I think this is very much uh, looking forward to <laughs> to the future in in many respects. Um, maybe for the better or for the worse, uh, depending on how you sort of see it. Um, but this is my uh, spotlight choice. It's uh, by Baby Metal and it's a track called Megatsune. I can see you shaking your head. Why are you shaking your head? <laughs> okay, so you've got the obvious comparisons to like Dragon Force. 
to uh, oh, what's their name? Sorry, you're not a winner. Ender Shikari. Yeah, I mean it's fun. Don't get me wrong. I think synths, metal, and screaming boy or girl has been a thing for quite a while. And don't get me wrong, it's really fun. I'd listen to it at mate's house, but I never in my own home. It, it's fun, but it's just not for me. <laughs> um, out of interest, have you listened? Have you have you um, seen any of their other videos on YouTube or anything? Have you you, you Google them at all? No, but that one's slightly. Cons- what are they? A Japanese duo or Japanese band formed from some other band or something? I was looking up at them earlier. Aren't, aren't they from some Japanese pop band gone metal or something? Yeah, it's a funny one. I, I mean, I, I don't pretend to know a great deal about them. This only came across my um, across my path this week. Um, but yeah, you know that kind of uh, so Japanese culture has this thing called um, they have these these people called idols. Um, which uh, are, are kind of uh, attractive-looking-ish teens, I guess, uh, who um, are you know are required or kind of join schools to to um, sort of learn how to sing and dance and and, um, and and all that sort of stuff. And that's basically that's what the the, the three girls that you see at the front of Baby Metal um, that's where they sort of come from. Um, and the guys who are in and, and and so Baby Metal effectively is is the three of those girls. Uh, and then the guys in the background are kind of um, all kind of metal musicians. They've they've been in um, you know countless other bands, but they're all Japanese guys as well. Um, why did I pick it? I, I just I, th- I think it's great. I think it's really infectious. Um, you know I I I mean I make no uh, secret of the fact that you know I'm an into Shikari fan. I love that mix between the synths and the metal and. Um, uh, and I'm also a Pets fan, and I like the the way that the three girls kind of remind me a little bit of the Pets. Um, and um, and and it, you know, I, I thought they were kind of charming. You know, if you not watch that video, you know, you can see them in it, and they're kind of at one point it looks like they're doing Gangnam style, um, and then you kind of listen to all their other records, and there's kind of bits of like you know rap in there, and there's bits of kind of all sorts, and. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't think you know they're the next Jeff Buckley. I don't think they're gonna, you know, release a great album, uh, you know, anytime soon. But um, I certainly thought it had a, a bit of appeal just for the short term, anyway. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't get it. Don't get me wrong, it's fun, but I don't get it. <laughs> Out of interest, you're not alone. Um, I, I actually went. Uh, I, the other thing you should do, if if anybody sees this and is interested in uh, in finding out more about uh, baby metal. Uh, go on YouTube and find um, a clip of um, people reacting to baby metal. You just see a whole lot of uh, YouTube vloggers just kind of watching videos of them um, and just acting, reacting pretty much exactly the same way as you are, um, and and one or two of them reacting the same <laughs> way. As I am. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, just uh, I thought that'd be a really interesting choice to kind of think. About. Uh, uh, I'm sure people will make up um, their own minds about it. Um, out of interest, uh, at the end of the show, when this is published, um, we're going to put together a little playlist as well. It'll have all the tracks that we've featured on here. Unfortunately, it won't have the How to Dress Well track um, on the YouTube playlist because it's not on YouTube, uh, as you'll have seen earlier. Um, but by all means, go to that and, and click on the videos, and we'll we'll maybe see if we can attach the um, people reacting to, to Baby Metal as well on there, um, in, in there as well. So, um, okay, so final section of the program, we just wanted to go through, uh, we, we wanted to do a, a top five section, um, and this is based on something that's gone on in the news this week, uh, completely unre- unmusic-related, 
uh, and kind of try and pick out five records that we thought were applicable to that. Um, you, you've got you've got a couple of suggestions. You want to start us off with yours? The sex selfie. The yeah. So I guess, so I should explain what it is, shouldn't I? Yeah. So the sex. sex selfie. <laughs> so this is like a, a a huge thing apparently on Instagram at the moment. I I, I did Google it a little bit, but just kind of tended to find a lot of pictures of blokes with their hands in the air. Um, uh, but it, it's supposed to be a photograph of you and your loved one um, after you've finished having sex, uh, and you're supposed to post it onto Instagram with the hashtag after sex. Um, and um, quite why you'd want to do it, I have no idea, uh, but, but it's apparently becoming quite a, 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 quite a big thing. Yeah, couples, coupling, post-coupling. <laughs> celebrating their coupling. I've, a, a lot like baby metal, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so, I'll, I, so this got me thinking. Top five songs about having just had sex, um, what you would listen to. So I guess I'll go down five to one. Um, my, number one my number five choice, um, Over Too Soon. Uh, by the small faces, I thought that'd be particularly uh, pertinent uh, when it's talking about um, my my sexual performance. Um, along the same sort of theme, at number four, I've got Four Minutes by Madonna and Justin Timberlake. Uh, if you wanted to be really pessimistic, um, at number three, I've got Seven Seconds by Yasuna Dor and uh, Nina Cherry. Um, at number two, um, just because I wanted to not make them all about a, a terrible sexual experience, uh, I've got Red Raw by Motorhead. Um, and then my number one choice, and this is one for sort of slightly more obscure sexual practices, but this is my favourite one that I came up with, um, the track Wash That Man Right Out of My Hair by Ella Fitzgerald. I thought that would be a, a lovely uh, <laughs> song to have uh, playing after sex. <laughs> what about you? Okay, so I'm kind of going on the fly. Um, you know, you need that self-deprecating song, so So Solid Crew 21 Seconds. Everyone needs a cuddle sometimes after they finish, so that's when we jump in with John Mayer's Clarity. Right, okay. Good cuddling tune. Now, for the guy or the girl who just has that person walk out on them straight away, then I think you've got to go really retro with I Will Survive. <laughs> I, I, think, I think that could work pretty well. Come on, we've got to go two more, two more, two more, two more, two more. There must be so many other tracks. Romeo, leave the lights on. Leave the lights on, that's a nice one. Yeah, like we that. We need one more. We need one more to bring it up to five. Oof. What there can we do? Some, there must be something else that's like, that's like time-related, surely. There, I, I did actually look around for a track that was called something like two minutes and 45 seconds worth of bliss or something, but funny enough, I couldn't find one as it happens. Daft Punk? Is there one more time? One more time? Perfect. Great choice. Great I think choice. we've done it. It only took me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. Uh, <laughs> cool. Right. Okay. Um, so I guess we'll um, on that bombshell. We'll, we'll we'll try and finish it there. Um, so uh, this has been the pilot episode of the Two Ears One Mouth uh, Music Review Show. I've been Simon Vincent. This is my good buddy Adam Juba. Um, say goodbye, Adam. If we do this again, we both won't wear white. Goodbye. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, a good good point. Uh, so I'm in white next week. You're in black. Um, thank you very much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed it, and we'll uh, speak to you next week.